are bigger than our own worship, Lord. But still yet, we worship you. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Father, I thank you that today as we enter into this service time, Father, I pray that as your presence has settled in this place, Father, I thank you that your presence becomes such a huge weight on us that we know, that we know, that we know we are in your loving presence. We are in your place. God, that miracles are normal. Miracles are not um, too common that we forget them. But God, we thank you that heaven is full of healing. Heaven is full of prosperity. Heaven is full of relationship. Heaven is full of all those things, God, and and you said that we can have them in this earth. So, Father, I pray that as the presence of God just flows through this place, that it flows through into our hearts the way that Jesus walked into the room through a closed door after he was resurrected. Father, you are the firstborn of the resurrection, and we are resurrected with you. We've died with you. We've been raised with you. And Father, I pray that you would blow into the place where we're at, Jesus. In this place, God. Let the weight of your spirit, let the weight of your Holy Spirit come. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you, Father. Once again, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to you ladies. And um, man, whether you're a a physical mom, whether you're a spiritual mom, whether you're a fur baby mom, uh, I mean, uh, Happy Mother's Day. All right. Man, um, 
God is good. It's been a few weeks since I've been up here, and I don't know why I've got these little, it's, it's not nerves, I don't think, but it's like an anticipation. And um, Lynette, my, my wife Lynette, has been ministering on wild hope. And as we um, have heard those things, if you have not heard those things, I encourage you to go back into our Facebook Live or your, our podcast, whatever, and listen to those messages because it, it, it will take you to a place where you can expect God to move in your life. It's so not just being a Christian. It's about being a, a child of God. Amen? Amen. So she's done really, she's done really well the last several weeks in preaching on hope. And um, so it's been good. I, w- I want to uh, give a shout out to our um, online church out in California, Merced, California. Um, man, thanks for joining us. Kingdom Ranch, thanks for letting us be a part of your life. And thanks for being a part of our lives. And uh, man, what, a, what an honor it is to get to be, um, even though we're in Colorado and you're in California, it's so good to get to come into the, to the auditorium and uh, minister to you by video. All right. It's, uh, technology's cool, isn't it? I like technology. Amen. Well, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and um, I'm, I'm married to uh, Pastor Lynette, which is uh, such a cool honor. You know, um, I had to sneak her Mother's Day card in last night about midnight and was writing in that and, and you know, just wrote her little note inside there, and uh, it, it was pretty emotional. Glad I took my mascara off before I sat down and wrote that. Um, but man, one of the best moms in the world, and um, man, you're you're awesome. You're awesome. So, all right. Well, today we're gonna we're gonna start a brand new series, and and this series, as Kelsey said, it's a long series. It's uh, I'm only, I'm only preaching a few times in it, but. Uh, uh, we're, we're letting all of our communicators that are that are here that uh, that minister to you guys. We're letting them take a part in that, and um, it's called "Where Are My Davids?" Where are my Davids? I, w- I want to talk to you a little bit about that today as we move into this introduction into this series that we're going to do. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you would go over to Acts chapter thirteen, Acts chapter thirteen, and and um, it's. Um, this series was inspired by our prayer team here at church. Uh, we, we have an awesome prayer team that, that gathers up here that you could come and get prayer from. They're not just people who uh, play, pray these. God approves. Um, <laughs> all... All of the computers and everything just went south. So now we have to start all over. Worship team, come back up. Do-overs. Got do-overs. So, um, man, my whole my clock went off. Yeah, y'all, y'all just want to sit here and let God preach? Or? All right. All right. Keep the energy going. I'll preach in the dark. Um, okay, getting back to what I was saying. This series was inspired by our prayer team. And, and if you've never um, 
come up and, and connected with our prayer team, I encourage you. You don't, have to things, you don't have to have things going south in your life to come up and, and be ministered to by the prayer team. If things are going awesome for you, come up and, and let the prayer team pray over you. And, and so they are, they are a, a group of people, um, men and women, that get together and, and they pray uh, on their um, meetings. They, they have monthly meetings as they pray. And this is where this came out. Um, the idea of this came out. They didn't pitch it to me. They just wrote an email of how cool that night was that they were all praying. And the Holy Spirit began to move in the room that they were in. Just like I think about the upper room whenever, whenever they're, um, the, the, the apostles and the disciples of Jesus after he was resurrected um, and went to heaven, they're gathered in an upper room and the Holy Spirit comes in to that room and fills them to overflowing. That is what happens uh, in, in our prayer team meetings. Am I, am I right, ladies? Man. So that night uh, of the, that I'm speaking of, uh, one of the members of the prayer team felt the Holy Spirit move into the room and he began to, it was the Spirit of God that began to shout, began to cry out, where are my Davids? Are there any Davids in the house? And, and so they, they begin to hear God crying out, is where are the Davids? Where are the Davids? So as I read the email that was sent out from that meeting, I, um, it, it inspired me. It, it felt like a weight on me, a good weight on top of me. And, and it began to um, take me back as a, as a minister. I've been pastor for almost 22 years. Next, I think next week it'll be 22 years. And um, man, just, just an awesome place to be. And, and I think about that, um, that as a Christian man, as a minister, I have heard so many sermons on David. David is just one of those guys that his life carries a message all the time. So many different things that happen to him. The life of David, as a Christian man, the life of David inspires me as a man. Because he was a king, because he was a warrior, it's because he was a worshiper. And such huge aspects or attributes of who David was. And, you know, I've been to men's conferences, and they're all about David. I mean, bar none, you go to a men's conference, and there, somebody's going to preach about David. <laughs> I mean... What a man. What a man. What a mighty good man. <laughs> so as an attender and a, and a minister of, of the gospel, as a, a, you know, I've heard so many messages about David. And, and it all, you know, what, what I've been, what I looked at when they sent me this email of what happened that night and God calling out that where are my David's? I, um, I, I begin to see David's strength in a different way. I begin to see his strength um, not as a man message, not as a calling out our men 
to um, be better. How many of you know we all need to be better? We, we all need to be better. So it's not just the men. And, and so I, I, I felt like that this is not another man message to try to guilt and shame and, and motivate and, and our men need to wake up, all that kind of stuff, and point it towards the men. Because I, be, I begin to see uh, what David carried in his character, in his nature, that those things are not just for men, but they cross the, the, the barriers of gender. And so today is not a cancel culture, cancel David because he's a dude and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a thing of seeing us, at, you know, seeing our hearts in his heart, seeing his heart and making it our heart. Amen? And, and so um, it's, it's not gender specific. Men, we will get something out of this. But ladies, you're going to get something out of this. Amen. Amen. So I, I see David's strength, um, the strength of his character in both men and women. And his character, David's character, what he did is now reflected in his DNA. David had two places to meet future generations like ours through his DNA. It was the physical DNA that David had, and it was also the spiritual DNA that he had. So I want to get into that day. I hope a moth don't go down my throat while I'm standing up here. The moths are coming. I curse the moths. Amen. So what I want to do is I want us to discover David's character because when we discover David's character, uh, man or woman, what we're going to see is that there is a rising, that there, there, um, there is a creation of royalty, of uh, devotion and worship, and fight. We're going to see all those things. You're going to be impressed uh, of those things from God's heart on your heart. He's going to put his fingerprints upon who you are through David's character, whether you're male or female. Amen. Amen. So here in, in Acts chapter 13, um, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation, but I, I love this. It's going to, this is going to be a base scripture that launches us into this series. Acts chapter 13, verse 21 and 22, it says, then the people begged for a king. This is back in the old days when they had only judges ruling Israel. And, and so the people of Israel begged for a king. And so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. This scripture is in the New Testament. It was a little over a thousand years after David ruled in Israel. The book of Acts records this. The New Testament records this. 
He says that David, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David, where are my Davids? God is saying that because he did this, he put this in, in David back then, he's doing the same thing to us through the generations from David. And he's calling us to David's character. He wants, us to, he wants to point out David's character to us because God said, he is a man after my own heart. I mean, how would you like for God to say that about you? But when we get done with this, you're going to hear him say that. You're going to hear God say that you are a man or a woman. See, that, that word man there in Hebrew and Greek both mean not only the male gender, but as a human being that God created. I was looking to see how important David was in our Bible. And so I sat down and started at Genesis chapter 1. I went all the way through Revelation chapter 22, page by page, <laughs> looking for how many times David's name was being spoken. I didn't really do that. I have a good computer program that tells me. <laughs> so I was looking up how many times David's name is spoken in the Bible. It is spoken 862 times in the New King James Version. 862 times David is mentioned in the 66 books of the Bible. Abraham, as a friend of God, is only mentioned in the Bible. He's the father of our faith. He is only mentioned 217 times in the Bible. Moses is only mentioned 787 times. So the only person in the Bible that has, that, that beats David on how many times his name is spoken is Jesus. Jesus' name is spoken in the Bible 940 times, and that's just in the New Testament. That don't go, that, that don't go back. I didn't go back and look at how many times that he's called the angel of God, the son of God in the Old Testament. All those names um, that, that are Jesus uh, before he was a man on this earth. But as a man on this earth and a man in this Bible, I, I hate to call them characters of the Bible because it almost sounds like they just don't really exist. It's just someone who you're trying, you know, the Bible's trying to connect you with. Like Tom and Jerry or Bugs Bunny or something like that. He, <laughs> he, he's not that. But he is mentioned 940 times. David's name is mentioned 862 times. So why is David so important in biblical history and so important to us? It's, it, we've got to know who he is. We've got to know who he is in order to catch that character of who he is. And so I, I, I tell all my communicators, people that get up here, you know, don't assume that everybody knows what you're talking about. And I'm talking about David today, and, and I, I'm not going to assume that you know who David is. I believe that every person in here has probably heard about him. Maybe you have or you haven't, but it's, it's a thing that we need to... Um, I need to not assume that you know. 
So this is a little bit about David's life. <clears throat> the, the, Saul, the king of Israel, he was the first king of Israel. Saul was just what we set, read there in, in Acts chapter 13. Um, is that where I, yeah, something like that. Anyways, um, Saul was king and he was chosen to be king by the people of Israel. The people of Israel looked around their nation. They were being judged by prophets and judges. And <clears throat> at that time, there was no king reigning in Israel. <clears throat> so the, the people of Israel looked around at all the other uh, countries that were around them, and they said, hey, they all have kings to lead them. We want a king. God's saying, you don't need a king, but we want a king. You don't need a king, but we want a king. All right. Just like we do with our kids sometimes. All right. I'll give you a king and see what you think of that. So they get, he, he allowed them to pick uh, King Saul. Well, King Saul um, it started off really good for the first probably year. And then he got really entitled, felt really powerful in his kingship, got, got entitled to the point where he started doing stuff that God said, that's not your job. And the Bible says that God rejected him. I mean, you ain't been rejected by anyone if you've been rejected by God. So keep it straight and narrow, right? And then in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, you don't have to go over there. David was 15 years old when um, Samuel, God's prophet, came to David and anointed him to be the next king. David was only 15. Thereabouts. Saul, King Saul, led the nation for another 15 years after that. Saul didn't know that David had been anointed king. David's own family didn't know that he had been anointed king. All they knew is he had been anointed by the prophet of God and had a calling on his life, but they didn't know that he was going to be king. It was, it was kept quiet. So Saul remained king for the next 15 years. And um, David, just a, just a few months after that um, encounter with Samuel the prophet, and he was anointed to be king, was called into the king's palace to be a musician, personal musician to the king. And so he went in and, and served King Saul, but nobody knew. King Saul never knew that he had been anointed to be king. At 17, when David was 17 years old, it came the most greatest story in the Bible. He was 17 years old, went out to take some provisions, some um, food to his brothers who were in battle with the Philistines. He didn't know that the Philistines had brought in a giant named Goliath. And he scared all of the Israelites every day, twice a day for uh, 30 days or 90 days, something like that. He scared them twice a day, Goliath did, and they, he would come out and go, uh, bring any man to fight me. And they would take off running, Israel would take off running and jump in their freighty holes and not do anything about it. 
Well, David comes out there to bring provisions to his brothers and, and talk with them about how the battle's going and stuff like that. He sees them jumping their freighty hills. He hears Goliath. He goes to King Saul and says, who is that dude? <clears throat> and King Saul says, oh, he's bad. We don't want to mess with him. David says, I'll go kill your giant. So he steps out on the battlefield and kills Goliath. Now, you've probably heard that story before because still yet, even in this day, when a, um, when a sports team is the, the underdog against the best team in the, in, the, in, the, in the sport and they beat them, it's called a David and Goliath story, right? I mean, we may, you may not even know who David and Goliath are, but you know what it means for a David and Goliath story. So David, um, David steps out there, kills Goliath, chops his head off, comes back to the camp and says, this is how you get ahead in life, guys. <laughs> and from that point, David became a household name in Israel. He became a, a household name. They begin to write songs. The, the ladies begin to swoon over David. They, they wrote ballads saying that, that David is, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. He was on the cover of the GK magazine of the day. <laughs> Giant killer magazine. He, I mean, he gets, he gets totally famous off of this whole deal. But as, as David's fame began to rise, Saul, his envy on the inside of David became his mission to kill David. Well, he didn't. And at 30 years old, Saul died on the battlefield and David became king. David became king of Israel and, and he um, began this life of fame in our Bibles. So the difference between Saul and David was this. Saul, you know, Israel wanted a king. God allowed them to choose Saul according to his outward qualities. When you, when you read 1 Samuel chapter 8 and 9, you'll see how, the, how Israel picked Saul to be the king. He was wealthy. He was handsome. And it said he was head and shoulders above the rest of Israel. The, you know, some scholars say he was probably about seven foot tall. He was a big dude. I mean, you line up everybody uh, in Israel and Saul's the one that's looking over everybody's head because he's a big dude. So they, they chose him according to his outward qualities. But see, Saul's outward qualities outweighed his inward character. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, because Saul had done some things to um, upset God, Saul, um, his, his, what, what he did was he um, took sacrifices to the altar of God and offered sacrifices on it. That was not his job. He did not have access to that. It was the priest's job to do that. He was to go to the priest and, and prophet and do those kinds of things. But he thought, well, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want to. 
So this entitlement began to rise up on the inside of him. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, um, Samuel is uh, speaking here. He says, how foolish. Now he's talking to the king face to face. He says, how foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. He, uh, had you kept it, the Lord would have established your king. Uh, he would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, verse 10, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel the prophet, saying, I greatly regret that you have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. God says, I can't deal with that dude because he's not following me. He's following himself. He thinks he's God. And so I want you to hold on to that, what God said to him, that you have turned back from following me. So Saul, he adapted this persona of, if it's going to be, it's up to me. You heard that before? If it's going to be, it's up to me. He wouldn't wait for God's leading. He wouldn't wait on God's wisdom. He wouldn't wait on God's timing. He, He began to develop a narcissistic view and entitlement for the king. And as he did that, he quit following God. And he was leading himself, not God leading him. It didn't take long for God to, to start looking for a replacement. I mean, when you go back and look at when Saul started doing these things, Um, coming against God and not following God, it happened within the first year or two that he was king. Yet he reigned for 40 years. But God started looking for a replacement very soon. So um, go over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. uh, You were in 13, right? No, you weren't. You were in Acts 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want, I want want to read this to you. Uh, Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Skip on down to verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? You know, it's funny that when you, when you lead something, uh, when you lead people and you say, I, I need to talk to you. As a pastor, I'll call somebody, hey, I need to get with you. I need to talk to you. What did I do wrong? <laughs> people enter into those meetings with fear and trembling. I'm just saying, hey, you're doing a good job. Cool. What did I do wrong? All right, let's go on. 
Samuel the prophet came to town and they said, what's wrong? Do you come in peace? That's what you can say to me if I ever call you. (laughs) Do you come in peace? No. Samuel says, yes, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the, uh, to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed a purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one, uh, took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's chosen, anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge his appearance. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Skip on down to verse 10. It says, in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all of the sons you have? Jesse says, they're still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and to eat until he arrives. Do you see the way the Lord prompts people? You're not going to sit down to eat. You don't get no food, men. You don't get no food until you bring the right thing to the table. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 12. So Jesse sent for them, sent for him. He was dark and handsome and had beautiful eyes. That's David. He was so handsome. He was dark. One, one uh, translation said he was ruddy. In other words, he probably had red hair and freckles. But they said he was very good looking. So if you have red hair and freckles, you're good looking. Amen. If you agree with that, say yes. One person. Thank you. <clears throat> so David stood there among his brothers Samuel took the flask of olive oil and, and brought that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. David was 15 years old when he came in. He wasn't even invited in the first place. What kind of dad does that? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean to get on to, you know, have y'all have this, um, what we call borrowed offense against Jesse. We don't, I don't want you to be offended. But Jesse did not call his youngest son in to see the prophet. And <clears throat> because from their point of view, he seemed disqualified to be there. Because he was maybe a boy, you know, 15 years old. He's a boy. Maybe he's, you know, don't know how to talk to people or whatever. He's been out living with the sheep. So um, he stinks and, you know, he's been around sheep and goats. And, and, and he's probably been sweating out there in the desert sun. But he's just a boy and he's not qualified. But see, when God uh, saw him, he called him a man after his own heart. 
his dad and his brothers called him Sheep Boy. He was just a shepherd. I've got that youngest son. He's just a shepherd. We'll bring him here. And when, when, God, uh, when, when they brought him in, God told Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him. So, so uh, Saul did. God saw him qualified. God saw David's heart as the same heart that God has. A man after his own heart. See, for years I read this, this phrase that David was a man after his own heart. He's a man after his own heart. I read that phrase as that David had the same heart as God. That there was just something about David that he was born with a special quality uh, that he was just like God. He, you know, it, out of all the people in the nation, he's the one that's got the heart that God has. Now, that's, that's the way I've read it. And, and I don't know if you read it that way or not, but I was asking God, how do I communicate that principle that he had, you know, a heart just like God's? He was a man after God's own heart. And so I, I thought about this. I, I love banana pudding. I like a good banana cream pie. I, I don't even like bananas all that much, but when it comes in the form of a pudding, or a banana cream pie, I can deal with some of that. I love it. But see, I know that there are some people in here that don't love a banana cream pie or banana pudding. Don't raise your hands because I don't want to judge right now because I I will. I'll judge you if you say you don't like a banana pudding. But if you do like a banana pudding, then you are a person after my own heart. That's what, that's what, I mean, we could sit down and share some, probably not, but <clears throat> if somebody brings it to me, I ain't sharing. I'm Darren and I ain't sharing. And that's the way I read this, that, that David was just this man after God's own heart. Him and, him and God were just kicking it together. You know, uh, the God stuff that David did just came easy for him. And it, God really liked him because of the fact that, that God you know, chose him and he wouldn't have to micromanage his, his calling. And that's the way I read that. But I began, as I began to study this and I began to look into it, I found out that it wasn't about that. It wasn't about David's age. It wasn't about his ability. It wasn't about his accomplishments because at 15 years old, he really hadn't had any accomplishments except having a good crop of sheep. You know, but God said, David is a man after my own heart. And when you begin to study into that, what you find is that David was a man that was pursuing. He was after his heart. He was pursuing God's heart. At 15 years old, he was pursuing God's heart to the point to where God looks across all the land, looks across everything um, that David is. He looked at the span of David's life and he says, that's a guy that is pursuing me. That's someone that is pursuing me. He was, he was a man after God's own heart he, because he was a man that was pursuing God's heart. He was not only a follower of God, but he was a pursuer of God. 
See, Saul at one point, King Saul was a follower of God's heart because God said that when he started doing his own thing, he turned away and did not follow God anymore. But David was a follower of God's heart. That is a base place. Being a follower of God, being a follower of Jesus is good. Following is good. But pursuing is better. You know, when I, when I drive somewhere, there's some people, and my wife just went, oh, no. There are some people that are happy being followers when you're driving down the road. They're just going with the flow. They're just in traffic. They're just going. And they, they love just, I'll get to my destination. I'm just, I'm just following. I'm good. But people like me are pursuers. I want to get to the destination. I want to get there. I want to get there, and I want to get there fast, and I want to get there first. So there's two different levels of following here because some people just follow, others pursue. David was just following, but he wasn't happy just being a follower. He was a pursuer of God. And God said, that is a man that is after my heart. He's pursuing my heart. And, and I love this because God calls him, as a 15-year-old boy, God calls him a man. He didn't call him a boy. He called him a man. Because what God did is he looked at David's life from the beginning, from the birth, all the way to his death. He got a bird's eye view of David and his life. And he said, even though I know he'll do stupid things, he is still a man that is going to pursue me all his life. Because the deal is, is that when we see that David was a pursuer, a man after his own heart, God's own heart, it is saying that God is also a pursuer. As much as we're pursuing him, he is pursuing us. God is pursuing us. He, he is trying to bring us into this beautiful collision of pursuit. Amen. To bring the heart of David, to bring the life of Jesus into our lives in order to bring uh, this beautiful collision of Christianity. And as much as God is pursuing us, we need to be pursuing him. So God looked across David's life and he said, you know, I can see all his mistakes. I can see all the stuff that he went through. I can see the good things. I can see the bad things. I saw a cool meme the other day that I really jived with. And we're going to put it, go ahead and put that up, Brad. It says, when, when God put a calling on your life, he factored in your stupidity. When God put a call on your life, he factored in to your stupidity. And like the meme said, it went on to say the most comforting thing I've ever heard. Because God factors in our stupidity. When he looked across David's life, he said, I'm factoring in his stupidity. And even though there are stupid things that he did, stupid things that a man does, a woman does, a human being does, I'm going to look at them. If they're pursuing me, that don't mean nothing. 
I don't mean nothing in God's eyes. Yeah, he don't want you to go and have a license to sin. But what he wants is for us to pursue him as hard as he's pursuing us. And, and so the big picture was that David was a pursuer of God. That's why God said, a man after my own heart. What God was seeing in David, that David will pursue him as hard as God pursues him, um, we have to know that God's just not sitting on his throne waiting for us. He is pursuing us. He is pursuing you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's pursuing you. Here's what I've discovered about pursuit is that men, we married up, right? I mean, we look, uh, have you ever been walking down the street and you look over at some woman that is very attractive and she's got this dumpy, ugly husband with her? And And we're like going, how did she get him? He pursued her. He pursued her. And man, it's good for you to continue the pursuit after you get the catch. Right? I mean, (laughs) there's someone for everyone. But I can promise you, I can promise you that that good-looking gal married that ugly guy because he pursued her. I'm in the same boat, dude. I'm in the same boat. Some days I look in the mirror and say, how did I get her? (laughs) Amen. Yo, know, I'm just going to let y'all talk about it. <laughs> and we do, we do have a marriage ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> David is the man pursuing God's heart. God sees him as a pursuer. And, and when God saw that, he said, this is, this is my guy. This is, going to, this is the guy that is going to span, his name is going to, to span, easy for me to say, this guy is going to span the generations of the Bible and he's going to set the example to every man, woman, and child that comes into this earth. That when you pursue God, God is pursuing you already. So let's, let's run this full circle. How, how do we... As Christians in 2022, step into that same place that God saw David as a man after his own heart, how can we be men and women after God's own heart? How can we do that? It's in the DNA of David. It's in his DNA. A man after God's heart is David's DNA. It's inside David's DNA. Here's what I'm talking about. We can obtain David's same pursuit because physically he pursued God and spiritually he pursued God. 
So David's physical DNA, in David's physical DNA, God promised David some things as king. This is, this is what God promised David. You ready? 2 Samuel chapter 17. Let's see what God says to, to David. Verse 7, I mean, uh, that 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It says, for when you die, God's talking to David. He says, when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, um, one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one uh, who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. God told David, your son, the next king, is going to build me a house of worship. He's, his kingdom is going to be strong. Go on in verse 16 of that same chapter. It says, your house and your kingdom, David, will continue before me all uh, for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. For all eternity, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. Do you see that? Who is he talking about there? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah to come. He says, David, not only will your son sit on the throne, but your kingdom will be secure forever. Your throne is secure. And there's one coming who is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. His name is going to be Jesus, and he's going to sit on the throne. He's the one that is going to sit on this throne because you, David, were a man after my own heart. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, it says this, You will conceive, this is the angel talking to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Who is it? Jesus. And then where we started out, Acts chapter 13, verse 22, says, But God removed Saul, replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and his, uh, he will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is, God, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Jesus. Jesus, he is, this is why when God saw David as a man after his own heart, he said, this DNA that's on the inside of this man to pursue me with all of his heart is going to be the same heart that is in my son, Jesus. Matter of fact, I believe with all my heart that it was Jesus talking to David saying, you are a man after my own heart. And when Jesus was born, he had the same heart of David from his physical DNA. 
not, not only his physical DNA, but his spiritual DNA. When you begin to look at, at JesusAncestry.com, uh, it's written, his ancestry, his gene- genealogy is written in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. And those two genealogies, it, scholars say that, that Matthew, um, Matthew's genealogy of Jesus is really Jesus' stepdad, Joseph. Now, at the time, they didn't know that Joseph wasn't Jesus' stepdad. So they figured his genealogy, and he, they found out that, that directly he was a direct descendant of David. Mary, when you see her genealogy written out in Luke chapter 3, you find out that she was also in the direct uh, lineage, genealogy of David. He had David on both sides physically. But he had David spiritually from God as a man after God's own heart. You follow? You following? Thank you, buddy. That's the best amen I ever got. Because Jesus was born into his physical DNA and he was a man after his own heart. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you say, I'm going to be a God follower, I'm going to be a Jesus follower, when you give your life to Jesus, you become a Christian, and a Christian means a follower of Christ. We become followers of him. But it can go so much deeper than that. When we get born again, Spiritual DNA lives on the inside of us. You have the DNA of your mother and father on the inside of you. My kids have a part of my DNA, have a part of uh, my wife's DNA, have a part of my dad and my mom and her dad and her mom. It runs down. They get physical DNA from us. When you get born again from Jesus, you receive his spiritual DNA. And when you receive his spiritual DNA, you're receiving David's spiritual DNA, which God is calling you as a human after his own heart. A man or a woman after his own heart. That's cool. Deep down on the inside of every one of us, we are... Humans, after God's own heart. So I want to ask you today, are you, are, you, are you happy just being a follower? I mean, do you just want to, do you just, I'll get there when I get there. Uh, yeah, are you a Christian? Yeah, I, I asked Jesus to come into my life. I asked him to come into my heart. I asked him that several years ago. And I'm a follower of Christ. But do you want to be a pursuer? Do you want to be a pursuer? Are you on the pursuit? Are you pursuing after God as hard as he's pursuing after you? God is pursuing you so hard that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life and have the DNA 
of a man or a woman after God's own heart. It's one thing as a Christian to be a follower, but it's another thing to be a pursuer. And as we begin to dive into this series about where are my Davids, where are his Davids? We are his Davids. And if we are his Davids, we need to make a, 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 a declaration right now that we are going to be people that are pursuing God and not just following God. Amen. We want to get to the destination first. We want to get there with passion. We, want, we don't want to follow behind to anybody else. We just want to get there and get along with God ourselves. Bump up the cruise control, guys. Bump it up. There's a little plus sign on my steering wheel that helps me bump it up. And I'm not happy just being a follower. I love being a follower. I, I, I love you being a follower. But I want this church, I want us, as God is crying out to our prayer team, as God is crying out to the church, He's saying, Where are my Davids? I'm right here. I'll be a David. I'll pursue hard. I will stop at nothing to pursue you. But what if I do something stupid? He's already factored that in. He knows you're stupid. Get along with him, get forgiveness, and bump it up. Bump it up. When you answer the question for yourself, where are my Davids? When you answer that question for yourself, we have to understand that we have been given the right. Through Jesus Christ, we have been given the right and the ability to operate in David's DNA. He's given us the right to intensely pursue God as, in, as he intensely pursues us. Man, I love Jesus. I love Jesus and I, I want to follow him all the days of my life. I remember my uh, spiritual father would say to me when I first got to know him, he said, have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? I said, yes, sir, I have. He said, are you going to follow him all the days of your life? I said, yes, I am. But here's something that I've learned. I'm not going to be a follower only. I'm going to be a pursuer. Have there been times that in their own 30 years, have there been times that I've wanted to just take a break? Yeah, I have. But God factored in that. He knew my strong days. He knew my weak days. He knew the days that I would struggle with um, illness. He knew the days that I would mess up. He knew all that stuff, but yet he called me. He chose me. 
he factored in everything good and bad into my life because he said, look, you can have me, but you've got to pursue me and you've got to allow me to pursue you. So this is what I'm telling you today. God is pursuing you. He is pursuing you. And he's ready for this beautiful collision. And, and the thing about it is, is if, you've, if you're sitting here or you're watching by video, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, <clears throat> it is time to do that. It is time to be a follower. It's time to be a pursuer. I, I love that song that, that my kids sang up here a little bit ago. That when I lock eyes with you, Jesus went to the cross and in that moment of him hanging there before he said it is finished, he locked eyes with you over time. He locked eyes with you and he says, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for you. My arms are stretched out and I'm ready to connect with you because I'm pursuing you so hard that I'm dying I'm dying. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your, Lord of your life, it's, it's not about a prayer. It's not about a raised hand. It's not about a walking of the aisle. It's about looking into the eyes that are locked on you. And he's saying, will you come and follow me? He, he said that to every one of his disciples. And he's saying that to you today. Will you come and follow me if you've never committed or given yourself the right to follow him. Now is the time. This is the place. You are the people that he died for and he pursued you with every ounce of blood in his body. Would you say yes? Mm. That's the loudest yes I've ever heard right there. Made my ears ring. Thank you, Father. Man, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have any clue what I need to do. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you, God, for pursuing us. Thank you for giving us, your son, Jesus, so that we could take on the DNA because he took David's physically. We take ours by proxy through him, through Jesus. And when we say yes today, God, I say yes to you again. God, I will be a pursuer. I am a pursuer and we are going to pursue you forever. Where are my David's? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.